Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody, and happy Memorial Day weekend. I hope that in these new normal times that you're able to connect with family and friends, albeit from a social distancing standpoint, whether through Zoom. I know it's a little bit different uh, this Memorial Day weekend, but I I wanted to share with you a little bit. Back in 1986, uh, then-President Ronald Reagan actually kind of revived a focus around this holiday, uh, and he said this. He said that his prayer was that he hoped that no more heroes would have to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And I know that's, that's our prayer today, but this weekend is a great opportunity to be able to be mindful and reflective of those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. But he also went on to say this. He said, it's a great time as family and friends to gather together and again be thankful for the freedoms in which we live in and are thankful for because of that sacrifice. So this Memorial Day weekend, I want to encourage you to uh, have a wonderful time with family and friends, but to pause and to be thankful for the freedom that has been provided for us for so many that have paid that ultimate sacrifice. We continue a message series uh, this weekend called Forward, and today we're going to talk about those times in which we think there is no path to move forward. In fact, Jesus Christ is going to illustrate this in just a second. And I'm mindful of a time when I thought that something was going to be impossible. In fact, my son thought it was going to be impossible. You see, my son loves God's team, the Chicago Cubs, and I decided to take him to Chicago Wrigley Field a few years ago to be able to watch his first game. Well, let me give you some context here because I've been taking my son to baseball games most of his life. You see, we lived in South Florida in his really early years and going to watch the Florida Marlins, I know they're Miami Marlins now, but the Florida Marlins back then was a lot easier than going to Wrigley Field. Um, You see that in 95 or 98 degree weather uh, with 100% humidity, there's not a lot of South Floridians that like to go sit uh, at that time in an open air stadium to watch a baseball game. So tickets were really easy to get. So we typically would sit on the dugout, first row, right on the field. It wasn't a problem to get those tickets. And when you have a really cute baby boy dressed in baseball wear, it's really easy to get a baseball from the baseball players. Because all I had to do was I had to stand up, hold him, smile, and I would get a baseball tossed to me. So true story, every baseball game that I brought him to, I was able to get at least one, if not two, if not three baseballs that were thrown to me to be able to keep as a memento from that game. So Connor has a ton of these baseballs. Well, fast forward, we go to Wrigley Field a few years ago. He's now 9, 10. We're sitting in a stadium with about 40,000 people or so. And we're watching the game, and we, we get in the seats, and the first inning starts, and I look at Connor, and Connor smiles at me and says, Dad, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that you're so appreciative of this gift that I've given you. No, 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 that's not why he was excited. He goes, Dad, I'm excited because I'm going to get a baseball. I go, you are. He said, yeah, well, of course, Dad. We always get a baseball. You're going to get a baseball for me, right? 
And I look at him and I say, without blinking, well, son, this is different. Look at all the people around. We're at Wrigley Field. I said, Connor, there's, we're not going to get a baseball. I wanted to lower his expectations. And all of a sudden, that excitement and joy just started to lessen. And I look and I said, Connor, it's going to be impossible for us to get a baseball. Well, I see the dejected look on my son's face. And I sat there. And instead of paying attention to most of the game, I strategized how I could get a baseball. True story, about three innings later, uh, a shortstop for the Chicago Cubs named Javier Baez was coming off the field. He had just caught the final out, and he's running off the field. And I jumped up from my seat, and I yelled, Javi, Javi, and I waved my hands. He must have been 300, 400 feet down from me. There is no way that he's going to see me, no way he's going to throw it. But I caught his attention. And all I did was I pointed to my dejected 9- and 10-year-old son sitting next to me. And he took the ball and he said, okay. And he threw it. I don't know how I caught it, but I did. And my son got a baseball. In fact, later on that game, I got another one for him. And I looked at Connor and I said, see? And Connor looked at me and said, see, Dad, I told you it wasn't impossible. The truth is, I think we get to that place in life where we limit our potential. And I know in Christianity, we talk about the fact that, you know, things are not impossible with God. And that is true. But the kind of impossible that I'm talking about is as we think about moving forward right now in this age, sometimes I think we limit our potential. We limit our options. Because in front of us, when we think about the options we have, we don't consider the impossible that God can provide for us. So we're going to frame this whole talk today around a central idea, and I want you to take a look at it, and it's this. Jesus removes the impossible so that you can move forward. Jesus removes the impossible so that you can move forward. We're going to transport ourselves into a story of the Bible. Jesus Christ is around one of his favorite places, the Sea of Galilee, and he is healing and teaching as he typically does. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a group of people that are going to come up to him. And with compassion and with passion, these people are going to call on Jesus to help a friend in an impossible situation. And we're going to talk today about how Jesus was able to make the impossible possible in their lives. Let's take a look at this in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Now, when we see that word, the people begged Jesus, there's a lot of meaning within that word. That word is parakalaus, and parakalaus means this, that there is passion in the begging, which means it comes from a heartfelt purity. And so Jesus is there and he sees these people and he sees their heart and they're coming not asking for Jesus to do anything for him, for themselves. Instead, they're calling his attention to a friend that they've had that cannot speak clearly and cannot hear. And Jesus, seeing the compassion, appreciates the fact that they are begging, parakalaus, passionately calling on behalf of their friend. When we face an impossible situation, here's the first thing that I think all of us need to remember. When we think there is no path forward, here are 
just a few principles that we need to tuck away to remember in those situations. Here's the first one. You can't do it alone. I'm going to say it again. You can't do it alone. This man who had been deaf all of his life, who cannot speak clearly, he needed the passion of his friends to be able to call on Jesus to provide the possible. In fact, I want you to see this. It says the people begged Jesus once again. The people came. The people went on behalf. Let me illustrate this another way. Those of you that have kids, you might have in your time put up a basketball hoop in the front of your yard. And on the front of a box, it will say, and you can read it, needs two people to assemble. Ha! No, it doesn't. I mean, let's be honest. If you're sitting there and you look at that box and you're a dad and it's a Saturday morning and you, your kids are saying, we're going to get a basketball hoop, you're going to get it done. And so you look and you ignore that needs two people. Well, I did that. And I opened this box and I started putting this basketball hoop together in my front yard. And everything was going great. And I remember thinking to myself, you don't need two people. I mean, this is for people who don't know how to fix things. I am an exterior hardware illumination specialist. I can shine spotlights and I can do all these kind of things. So here I am. I'm trying to work on this basketball hoop. And everything's going great. Until it says, now, with your friend, pick the backboard up. And balancing the backboard, also assemble and tighten the bolts on the fixture to attach the basketball hoop. Well, I started looking at it, and I started realizing this is impossible. But I'm not going to be defeated. So I grab a garbage can, and I, I start putting things, and I start assembling things, and I start contorting my body to hold things and to, to move things in place. And I am looking not very wise. True story, my neighbor from across the street, he starts walking over with a tool bag. And he says this. He says, I, I saw you start this, and I knew that you would get to this exact place. And let me tell you, it is impossible to do it by yourself because I've tried. He said, so I'm coming over, and I'm going to help you because you can't do it alone. After he started helping me, we got that project done in just a matter of a maybe 10, 15 minutes. It was so much easier to have someone else there. I thanked him and I said, you know, I couldn't do it alone. He says, I know. He says, because I made that mistake too. In these impossible situations, it's really important to remember, you need someone else. You can't do it alone. You need someone to come alongside, someone to pray for you, someone to offer advice, someone to offer wisdom you know, here at Ocean View, I always encourage individuals to join a C group. And a C group is connection, coffee, accountability. Yeah, I know it starts with an A. But accountability. It's your opportunity to be able to, to lean in and to lean on one another. And in those moments when we don't think we can move forward, we need someone else standing right beside us to say, yes, you can. You have all that you need. You can do it. The lesson we learned that day from the people begging Jesus is this. Jesus was moved by the compassion of companions, not the complexity of the circumstances. Jesus, it didn't say that Jesus turned his attention to this deaf man because the man was deaf. It says that Jesus turned his attention because his friends cried out and begged Jesus. And Jesus saw the compassion of their hearts and he moved because of the compassion of the friends, not the person in question. Moving forward requires involvement, not isolation. 
You see, the enemy is going to want you to think in your impossible moments that that's right. You can't move forward. You are all alone. There is no one else there for you. That's what the enemy wants you to think, and it will push you farther and farther into doubt, and your impossible situation will grow before your eyes. And so the first step for all of us is you are not alone, and you need others to come alongside of you to help you to see the path forward. There's a second reason and a second principle that we all need to remember as we face the impossible, and it's this. You need a face-to-face. Let me explain this as we take a look at Mark chapter 7, verse 33. And it says this. Jesus led him, the man that was deaf, away from the crowd so they can be alone. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. Let me, let me tell you why. Here is God in the flesh. And he responds to the compassion of friends who say, look, Jesus, we need you. And they take this man who can't speak, he can't communicate, he can't hear. Imagine, put yourself in the shoes of that person. Everything's quiet, and all he can see is the eyes of Jesus. And what Jesus does is he shows us that he is a God that not only cares, but he cares deeply about you personally. And he takes this man, and he leads him off alone, and he gets face to face. Now, what's the meaning of face to face? Why is it important to go face-to-face? You know, there was another man in the Bible by the name of David, and he understood the importance of being face-to-face and to seek God's face. In fact, it says this in Psalm 27, 8, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. If I could paraphrase the words of Jesus as of what Jesus was telling that man that was deaf that day as they got alone and they looked face-by-face, it would be this. I want to see your heart, and I want to calm your heart. It's important for us to seek God's face in those impossible moments, and here's why. When you look at someone face-to-face, you see their eyes. You see their facial expression. You see their emotion in the moment. And that's when you really can see into a person's heart. You see, Jesus took this man alone so that he could get face-to-face and he could see the man's heart, and he could understand clearly the situation. When you face the impossible, you need to seek his face. And you need to really pray and say, God, I only see a roadblock. I need your face. I need to see it. I need to know what's going on, and I need to hear your voice. So seek his face. There's a third aspect when you face the impossible, and it's this. He wants to move your greatest obstacle. Let's pick it up in Mark 7, 35. It says this. 33 through 35. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. Then he put his fingers into the man's ears. And then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said, Ephetah, which means be opened. And instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he can speak plainly. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ used many different ways to heal. And the question is, why? And I want you to think about this for a second. Because there is significance here. Jesus was God. There were a lot of people that were sick that needed healing and everything else. And and quite honestly, if I had that kind of power, and if I was in Jesus' shoes, then I would just look and go, kapow, kapow. 
Kapow! You need a healing? You need a healing? You need a healing? Kapow! And I would do that. And it would be easy. Why did Jesus go through? Sometimes he'd take mud and, he, and he'd mix mud and he'd put it on someone's eyes. This time you say he sticks his fingers in the man's ear. Jesus didn't need to do that. He's God. He could have stood 50 feet away and go, you don't even need to ask. Kapow! He could have done that. So there's a reason why Jesus wanted us to know that he is healing in different ways. Why? Because it's important to understand the meaning of the miracle. There is significance behind why he healed. So let's talk about the first healing. This man was deaf for a lot of years. It was impossible for him to hear. So let's talk about the healing of hearing. Theologians will tell you, that by sticking his fingers in the man's ear, here's what he was illustrating and here was he, what he was meaning and speaking to the people. That I can open any obstacle. In that time, he opened the obstacle that prevented the man from hearing. Jesus Christ removed an obstacle. He removed the obstacle of the impossible to move it to the probable. You see, here's the truth. God can move mountains and he surely can remove your obstacle according to his will. There are someone right now, if you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. You are facing an impossible situation. You are only looking at a dead end and I want you to hear me. That dead end can be removed if you have the faith to trust to not be alone, to have others pour in, to seek his face, and to allow him to remove the obstacle that is in your path. It is getting outside the box. It is thinking through all the possibilities and then asking him as you seek his face, God, I don't know how you can do it, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to take a step of faith. I promise you that man who had not heard for his whole life, he never in a million years thought that when Jesus grabbed him, moved him alone, and was looking at him, I can promise you he didn't think to himself, in a moment, I'm going to hear. And Jesus took that obstacle, and he removed that obstacle, and immediately the impossible became probable. There's a fourth aspect, and it leads to the other aspect of this healing. And here's what it is, and this is the most important thing for me personally. Jesus Christ in the impossible situations, he'll restore you. You see, when you face an impossible situation, along with that comes a lot of emotions. And right now, my goodness, in the last couple of months, the weight that is on all of our shoulders. If you're someone that's an extrovert like me, if you're happy, like I said, my wife tells me I live in Lucky Charmland. I get it. And so for me, I'm typically happy. I'm typically positive. The glass is not only half full, the glass is three quarters full in my life. And nothing can get me down. Well, I won't say nothing, but there's not a lot that really bothers me. And so for me, I can tell you, just honestly, the weight of these last couple of months, it's been a lot. And I can't imagine for those that struggle, whether that's through depression, whether that's through mental health issues, for those of you watching that automatically, you know, regular life has been difficult. And now with this added on top, the emotions that you're going through right now, oh my goodness, I can't imagine. But you need to remember this, that in your impossible moments, Jesus Christ will restore you. Let's take a look and let's wrap this up in Mark 7, verse 33 through 35 again. Let's reread those two miracles. And it goes like this. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then, spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed 
And he said, Ephata, which means be opened. And instantly the man could hear perfectly. And his tongue was freed so he can speak plainly. As I said, there's a meaning to this miracle. And let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at the healing of the tongue. Jesus spits into his hand, touches the man's tongue, and it says he can speak plainly. Do you know what he did? He restored the man's speech. He restored what was always supposed to be. He took something that was impossible for him and he moved it into possible. But I don't want you to move, miss this. He will restore you but he's not looking to restore you to where you think you should be. Jesus, when he restores you, he makes your life better. He restores you to places you never thought you could be. That man that was deaf and that man who could hardly speak, I promise you at the end of his encounter with Jesus, he never thought that he would be able to hear and speak and be restored to a place he never had been in his whole life. Jesus made that possible. You see, moving forward doesn't restore you to where you want to be. Moving forward restores you to where he wants you to be. You have a purpose. Every one of you has a purpose ordained by God. And God's greatest desire is to move the impossible out of your way so that you can accomplish his purpose for your life so that you can bring glory to him. Now, do you want to know why that's true? It's because Jesus did it. And I don't want you to miss the subtlety because theologians give insight into this. We read something that you didn't even think twice about. But when Jesus was healing this man, it said this in Mark 7, 34. Jesus looked to heaven and he sighed. Terry, what does that mean? That word sighed talks about a calmness of heart. That word sighed means It gives the picture of someone that understands exactly what they're doing, exactly what's happening, and is in the moment 100% in perfection with what they're about to do. And the last thing a theologian said about when Jesus sighed, and he did this often through the New Testament, when he looked up and he sighed, it was a communion, because get it, If he's perfect in the moment and perfect in the situation and calm of heart in his humanity, then he is in communion with his perfect father at that moment. And so in that moment when you are restored, if you pause, if you remember that God owns it all, if you remember that God has a purpose for your life, if you remember that you are not alone, if you remember that he wants the best for you, if you remember that the impossible can be possible through the hand of God, then you can have communion with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and you can move forward. I remember long ago, people asked me, Terry, where was your favorite vacation spot? And that's very easy for me and my wife. We went to Hawaii long ago. And I remember sitting on a beach in the middle of Kauai. And it was about three quarters of the way through the trip. And I had decompressed all the stress that I was carrying. And for one day, I remember looking at the atmosphere, reading a book about my Heavenly Father. And I looked at Jennifer that day and I go, I don't think I've ever been in a better place. It's as if I took a deep breath and I sighed because I felt the presence of God. In those impossible moments, you need to pause. 
you need to reflect. Take a deep breath. And when you are in communion with the Holy Spirit, he can make your impossible possible. Remember, Jesus removes the impossible so that you can move forward. What is your obstacle today? What are you facing that you think there is no other option? It's time to reflect, time to seek his face, time to gather others, and to remember he can remove that obstacle. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this message on this weekend where we're already challenged to reflect as a nation of the blessings that we have for the freedoms that we have. And God, in the same breath, we pause and we sigh and we say, God, thank you for communion with you. Thank you for our relationship with you. Thank you that in these moments, I am not alone, that it is not impossible. And God, today there is hope. Today I can move forward. So God, I pray for the rest of this weekend that I would sense your presence and that you'd remind me every day that I put my obstacle in front of me that you can accomplish the impossible. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Memorial Day weekend. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.